Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of inmate number P01135809 to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the countless counterfeit fallacy. So the countless counterfeit fallacy, which is a great name. I love the name for it. It is. It is when people make the argument or make the claim that a large amount of unreliable evidence or evidence that on its own would be seen as poor evidence, if you have lots of it, that somehow means that's a good and reliable way to back up your claim. Like like lots of bad evidence shoved together makes good evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because didn't we talk about that in the one of the countless filings against Trump when she just went, yeah, all of this is shit. And they kind of went, yeah, but there's lots of yeah. it. Yeah, well, coincidentally, so much of it. that's yeah. kind of what our first example is. Aha! Uh-huh. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, Trump is talking here about the many, many affidavits that they have from people claiming proof of election fraud. We have so much evidence. And then you go to a court. Oh, they don't have enough evidence. We have hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of affidavits. And they say... Uh, He doesn't have the evidence. We have so much evidence, we don't know what to do with it. He doesn't have the evidence. (laughs) (laughs) That's how court people talk. That's right, yeah. We have so much evidence, we don't know what to do with it. I mean, that bit is true. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. You don't know what to do with it. And what uh, what you're doing with it (laughs) isn't evidence. Yeah. It's it's just, you're just, yeah. I mean, if, if you print it out, if you just printed lots of copies of the same thing <laughs> and then went, yeah, there's 150 of these. Yeah, but each one of them is the same. And each one of them is a terrible piece of well, lawyering. Well, that's the thing, yeah. In the most part, what they're talking about with this is the 234 pages of affidavits that they submitted in yeah. one of their many post-election cases. This one particularly in Detroit. They had others in other places as well. And they were from poll workers, poll challengers, poll watchers, occasionally just the random citizen, who all <laughs> yeah. reckoned that, yeah. that there was well, election yeah, fraud. I reckon, yeah, but none of them be... were really kind of citing things that they could prove or showed so fraud happening. Or, uh, yes. And the thing yeah. is, if you did have that, you wouldn't need lots. You would yeah. need a few good examples yeah. of people yeah. committing fraud. But, yeah. but instead what they have is hundreds of people saying things like this one is repeated right. multiple times yeah like several people who gave their affidavit to like had it notarized by the same notary all yeah. wrote almost exactly this paragraph i observed a ballot being duplicated and i approached the supervisor and asked if there was a republican there to witness this duplication he said he didn't know <laughs> That's not fraud. No. The supervisor not knowing whether there was a Republican watching this process happen... Yeah. ...isn't fraud. <laughs> no, no. The possible duplication of a ballot... 
Well, the duplication happens because, like, if a ballot has been spindled, mutilated yeah. in such a way that it doesn't yeah, go through yeah. the tabulation machine, something yeah. like that. So what they will do, they have a process. Yeah. And usually they have a Democrat worker and a Republican worker doing it together yeah. and yeah. duplicating the ballot so it gets put through. And in fact, that's the case for most of these things. Most of these claims are things that happen regularly in elections and in counting right. that these yeah. people didn't understand. Ah, right, but, okay. And, and in fact, the reply from the city of Detroit to this was, most of the objections raised in the submitted affidavits are grounded in an extraordinary failure to understand the election function. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's kind of like an immense yeah. amount of ignorance. They just, yeah. they so don't understand what they're talking about. And that's no, they're just looking out. Yeah. It's like when you go to a, you know, an automated checkout and you, you put your bill in and it won't do it because it's folded. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, so you have to UK, try it a few times and yeah. then you have to kind then, of flatten it out and, or use another bill or, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to work for some reason. Let's put the other one in. Yeah. Let's take, make yeah. a copy and put the copy in. And they have procedures that. for when things don't work or when, for example, they get something that has no signature on the outer envelope or they get yeah. something where the date of birth has been put in wrong or hasn't been put in at all. They will put those to one side. They'll get dealt with later. They'll they call contact the voters to give them an opportunity to fix, cure yeah. their ballot. That process of putting things to one side and leaving them for later yeah. was questioned by loads of these affidavits. Yeah. I mean, but also there's just mad stuff. Like one, one person said, I witnessed a meeting between election worker team leads where they gathered together and spoke and the meeting ended in a cheer. Many of these team leads wore masks or other materials supporting Black Lives Matter. And... <laughs> That's not fraud. Many of these people were wearing plaid pants. A lot of them complained about not being able to stand close enough during COVID. This was a thing that was litigated in, in Philadelphia, and that was the one yeah. case that the Trump campaign won, essentially, was that, yes, the, the poll watchers should be allowed to stand closer. But in Michigan, they weren't, and they were yeah. repeatedly told by supervisors, stand six feet away. Stand back. They, if you wouldn't mind. Many people yeah. cited that as evidence of fraud. No, it's evidence of COVID. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the fact that in the TCF centre in Detroit where counting was taking place, we've talked about this especially on the patron episodes about 2,000 mules, yeah. but I think we've mentioned it on the show as well. There was a point at which there were too many watchers, too many people in the room mm -hmm. kind of checking that everything was right. Yeah. So at a certain point, they thought, this is getting ridiculous. It's too full. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And they stopped people being allowed to get in. And when people left yeah. to go to the toilet or go to get lunch or whatever, they couldn't get back in. Yeah. Um, because they're allowed 134 per party. 134 right. Democrats, 134 Republicans, 134 independents. And when they had too many, they didn't chuck people out. They just stopped people, more people coming in and stopped. And so a lot of the affidavits are saying... I came at this time and I wasn't allowed in. Yeah. That's loads of them. There's loads <laughs> of them complaining about the fact that they put cardboard up against the windows, which was done because people were outside wanting to get in and taking photos and video of what was going on inside, which you're not allowed yeah. to do. Not allowed to do, yeah. There were people who complained about loud public address systems, mean <laughs> looks from poll workers. <laughs> there was... Yeah. <laughs> And the, and the look, meanness is in the eye of the be yeah, absolutely. beholden, There's isn't it? Yeah. One person who complained that a Democratic poll worker told her to go back to the suburbs, Karen. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> to which she replied, I want to speak to your manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were about seven or eight of them that included at the end the paragraph almost word for word mm-hmm. throughout the day I witnessed a pattern of intimidation, secrecy, and hostility by poll workers. Poll workers would cheer, jeer, and clap when poll challengers were escorted from the TCF centre. There seemed to be collaboration between the Democratic poll challengers and the city of Detroit poll workers. Wow. So basically, when people were being obnoxious, trying to stand too close, challenging things that were just standard procedure, eventually people got rid of them they would they were ejected they in some cases called the police because they were trying to take photos of stuff that they weren't allowed to and stuff like that and every time an obnoxious arsehole got removed (laughs) everyone went yay yeah that was apparently evidence of fraud that that was evidence of collusion (laughs) yes yeah one person said i was accused by a democrat volunteer of being part of a cult for my support of trump So a man with the horns and a, and a fur, fur vest. Yeah. yeah. I experienced yeah. intimidation by poll workers wearing BLM face masks and another man of intimidating size with a BLM shirt on. <laughs> of intimidating size. <laughs> Don't come at me with your size. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, basically, you intimidate me when it doesn't matter how many hundred affidavits you have when this is the quality yeah. of them. You can have thousands of them. It's still not good evidence. They live in a world where that's enough to trigger other people's anger algorithm. You know, it's the kind of stuff that kind of conversations I have with my somewhat right wing neighbours who who will say stuff and expect me, and I can see the gap waiting for me to say, <laughs> "Oh yeah, you're right there." Yeah. Or and I've and I've learned to kind of to change the subject slightly to their dogs or or whatever and their uh, anger suspicion prejudices are all validated by other people agreeing with them and that's all they need there is no more evidence required not only are they ignorant of the electoral uh, procedure they're they're ignorant of of how the law works because when you try and send a thing into a court and practically say, yeah, you know what we mean. <laughs> yeah. And, and and the court doesn't go, oh, yeah, right, yeah, no problem. Big tick with a Sharpie. Yeah. There's no case to be answered here. This is just Karen-like moaning. <laughs> and also it's quite suspicious that all of you have used exactly the yeah, same yeah. phraseology. Yeah. yeah, that is yeah. pretty weird. But, yeah, yeah. The, the last one in the list of... Yeah. of the 234 pages, was one of the most specific. It was from a woman called Anita Chase, who didn't appear to be a poll worker or involved in the election, but she mm-hmm. said that she had checked the state's online tool that showed that her deceased son had voted in the last two elections in Detroit. Right. And she gave her son's uh, name and middle initial. Obviously, this is proof that someone is voting yeah. in his name. So things like that, maybe. If you had lots of yeah. things like that, that might be useful yeah uh, apart from the fact that when you look into that and as people have like journalists and you yeah. know the courts uh, <laughs> yeah. it turns out that that yes someone with that name did vote right but it yeah. turns out that that's not the only person with that name you know and the person who voted had a date of birth that was not the same as exactly. this woman's dead yeah, I was son. Gonna say, did she did she <laughs> neglect to check that yeah yeah so continuing with trump yeah. he has also made similar claims about lots of evidence for things like hydroxychloroquine. I've heard tremendous reports. Many people think it saved their lives. 
Uh, doctors come out with reports. You had a study in France. You had a study in Italy that were incredible studies. Incredible is an interesting choice of word there. Because, <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. as yes. we know, it literally means not credible. Not beli- yes. <laughs> Has no credence. Yes, yes, a great way of describing the studies that he's referring to. <laughs> Because we know he hasn't read them. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't matter (laughs) how many scientific studies agree with each other if Mm. the individual studies are dog shit. And that's why when people do meta-analyses where they want to see if there's a trend or a relationship between two things, the first thing you do is look for all of the studies. The second thing you do is set criteria that remove shit studies. (laughs) Yeah. So you're not so I, including I those. I don't want the shit ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't know exactly which studies he's talking about, but given, you know, when he made this claim and, and the, the studies that had recently been publicised, the French yeah. study was the one done by Didier Raoult, who yeah. won the Rusty Razor Award from the Skeptic <laughs> ah, magazine ah, yes, for, yes, uh, yes. for Worst Promoter of Pseudoscience for this study, because he had done a study with on six patients which was not properly controlled, excluded data for patients whose condition worsened. (laughs) Right. Uh, And and then he claimed that this proved that that it worked to improve people's outcomes. Right. And obviously doesn't. That's shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's the very definition of. Yeah. Yeah. The the Italian study, if this is the one he's talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't even really a study. It was looking at the details of how many people who who were taking um, hydroxychloroquine for other conditions, for lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, went on to get COVID Mm -hmm. over a period of time. It wasn't controlled. It was a kind of observational study, essentially. And it didn't take into account any potential confounding factors like, for example, the fact that lupus and rheumatoid arthritis are autoimmune diseases. They are problems with an overactive immune system. Yeah. Yeah. And is it possible that an especially strong immune system that's so strong yeah. it's attacking your own body might make you less likely to get COVID? Yeah. It's at least yeah. plausible, and that should have been considered in the write-up of that yeah. paper. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So not so much the thing that you're taking in order to tone down your immune system, a tad, but the actual yeah. thing that you've got that that warrants the taking of hydroxychloroquine might yeah. be the thing that prevents you from getting <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, as a as a scientist, one would probably want to consider that. It might be something you'd think about. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, because of covid being a global pandemic and hydroxy being kind of suggested by multiple people especially after the didier Rao study mm-hmm. it was uh, quite a common thing for people to study so there's a lot of these terrible studies yeah that in some cases show evidence in inverted commas of improvement in fact between february and november 2020 206 studies wow. of hydroxychloroquine yeah. with regard to covid were registered with the uh, national institute for health clinical trials registry as of November 2020, 135 of those 206 were still ongoing. 22 of them had been completed and, and the rest had either basically been suspended or terminated because people were getting worse or because other studies, like better studies, had come out and shown that there's either no benefit or in some cases it makes people's it's outcomes worse. worse. Yeah. So well. the fact that there are a lot of studies, if the studies are not well controlled, have high numbers of patients involved, have a good methodology... Yeah. The number of studies yeah. 
that is, you can point to a, and say, yeah, that's not the key. qualifying factor, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you have one really good high-end number, well-controlled, randomised controlled trial, yeah. that's really good. If you then can repeat that with a similarly controlled study, that's yeah. even better. Yeah. But a hundred shit ones don't add up to one good one. Several hundred wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. Yeah, quite. Or 2,000 wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, yeah, so in our final example in this section, we go to 2,000 mules. Which and is just it is filled with, <laughs> with this. So and, many fallacies. And, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you so, know, yeah. we should do a special on 2,000 oh, yeah, mules. Yeah, we should, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spend yeah. a few hours on that. Yeah. Um, so this is Dinesh D'Souza's documentary claiming election fraud happened Thank because... God, just stop uh, you there documentary shaped film <laughs> yes yeah claiming claiming that election fraud happened through a system of stash houses and people paid to put ballots in boxes yeah. or something we never did see any evidence of a stash house did we then nothing it wasn't in the film no no, no but no. what they did claim to present was evidence that lots of people went to lots of ballot boxes to put mm. ballots in yeah and how they did that was by tracking their phones and yeah. claiming that that meant you could you could put them in the right, vicinity of these the, ballot yeah, boxes. Yeah. So what was the criterion that you set? Final decision was they had to have been to 10 or more drop boxes, meaning unique visits inside of a space, and five or more visits to one of the one or more of these organizations. Those were the outliers. It was such an aberrant pattern. So what you're saying, I mean, it seems to me there's no reason for someone to go to even two drop boxes, but you're saying that maybe there's a conceivable reason someone did that. Let's identify a large number of drop boxes and multiple trips, and that way we're going to catch not all the offenders, right, but the worst offenders. The way we would describe it is we want to absolutely ensure that we don't have false positives. So what they're saying is... Yeah. They set a criteria that meant that, that they have to have 10 drop boxes that they're, they're found at or more. Yeah. Because that means if you have that number, that means that this person is a ballot mule that right. didn't have any other reason to be there. Right. The thing is, each one of those visits, they don't have the evidence to prove that, that, that a person put yeah. anything in the ballot box. Yeah. They can't place them nearer than 30 feet at best. Yeah. To a ballot box. Yeah. But they're saying, because they were near so many, that's proof. Right. But each individual one isn't proof of, of anything. No. You can be quite near yeah. as many ballot boxes as you want. It isn't proof you put anything in any of as them. As we saw, as we, we watched it for countless, and we talked about it for countless hours, countless, countless, they were genuine hours, not counterfeit <laughs> hours. They were in busy civic areas as you would want to yeah. put yeah. a... a Postal Libraries, ballot. street corners, yeah. government buildings. Yeah. So in in some states, they were in uh, gyms, shopping malls, all over the place. But deliberately yeah. put in places where there's where lots you of, get foot a traffic. Lot of public. Yes, a lot of public access. You haven't got to go out of your way yeah. to do it because that, that's the way to make voting easy. We'll just go. We'll put the ballot boxes where the people are. Exactly. What they're saying is, yeah, we, we can't show them doing a thing, but we can show them not doing it loads of times. Exactly. <laughs> and now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. Well, so I'm going to return to March 23, where several prime ministers go, Boris Johnson was the prime minister, 
when he appeared before a select committee looking into whether he misled the House. And he goes to some lengths to try to cite evidence that hasn't been used. But yeah, but in case, we'll start with Harriet Harman, who was the chairman of the select committee, just reminding us of what went on. And then we'll hear Boris moaning about the fact that there's all this evidence that he wants to bring that isn't being brought. Mr Johnson spoke about the question of COVID compliance in Number 10 in the House of Commons more than 30 times. I'd like us all to have a reminder now. All guidance was followed uh, completely during Number 10. There was no party and that, and that no COVID rules were broken and that is what I have been repeatedly assured. And whatever happened, uh, the guidance was followed and the rules were followed at all times. That when I said, I came to this House and said in all sincerity that the rules and guidance would be followed uh, at all times, it was what I believed to be true. Not only has the committee found nothing incriminating, it has gathered a huge amount of evidence which demonstrates very clearly that those working in Number 10 shared my belief. The overwhelming evidence which you have assembled is that these individuals believed that the rules and the guidance were being complied with. And what is so telling is the number of officials who say the same thing and the total silence of the written or electronic record about concerns that anyone wanted to raise with me. The best and fairest course now would be for the committee to publish all the evidence it has assembled so that Parliament and public can judge for themselves. Despite my repeated requests, the committee has refused to do this. It has elected only to publish the evidence which it considers incriminating and not the evidence which I rely on and which answers the charges. <laughs> yeah, how dare they only, yeah. <laughs> only show <laughs> the evidence which proves I did stuff wrong and yeah, not the stuff which the is stuff vague. I allege. <laughs> yeah, I allege is comes from you know, <laughs> multiple sources. So his, his evidence is... Is, is itemised as these individuals who believe guidance was being followed. Yeah, so many people believed while they were breaking the law that they weren't breaking the law. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be fine. It's fine. We're right. This yeah. was presumably before the video of the party where they said, you're not videoing this, are you? Because we're clearly breaking the law. Because we're clearly breaking the law. <laughs> how are we going to spin this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and the evidence of the fact that there are lots of officials who all say the same thing. So that's, that's clearly evidence. So yeah, there yeah. are lots of officials who all say, well, we we absolutely believed guidance was being followed. Yeah, they can't yeah, all be lying, so, can they? No. That would be mad. It might, but it might be true that they're all saying <laughs> that they believe that. But, but there's a difference between, and we've spoken about this before, <laughs> there's a difference between belief and knowledge. We knew the guidance was being followed. No, no, I believed. And, and Johnson, in, his, in the cascade of ever-diminishing smaller and smaller nuances of language. He said, yeah, I, believe, I firmly believe, I sincerely believe that the insurance... Are, so he's being assured that I believe... Right, you can believe all you fucking like, mate. It's not true. Plus, right, not, not only is this evidence of uh, individuals and officials who all say the same thing, but the evidence of the fact that there's no evidence, that there's complete silence from the electronic record about people voicing concerns to him that the rules were not being upheld. So, so he's citing a lack of evidence as evidence. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. nobody told me officially that yeah. it was illegal. I can't be expected to know that the laws yeah. I passed apply to me. <laughs> yeah, so. unless somebody <laughs> tells me. It's people who are employed by me. They answer to me for the continuing of their career yeah. and their reputation and the possibility of promotion and uh, just continuing to get paid. This is identical yeah. to one of Trump's claims about the Georgia phone call to Brad Raffensperger. He, yeah. he said, and he said it about the Ukraine call as well. You know, there were lawyers on the call. If I was doing something illegal, why did none of the lawyers say on the call, yeah. stop this, you're doing something illegal? The lawyers yeah. he employs. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And we, we talked before about the, the photographers said, if we were going to break the rules, why would we have photographers there? Yeah, I think that's the basic instinct defence. Yes. <laughs> If I was going to kill someone, yeah. why would I then write a novel about well, that yeah. exact way of killing about them? That, exactly that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, and then, of course, he compounds all that by saying, alleging that I'm not even allowed to present that evidence of no evidence, that evidence that isn't evidence, <laughs> which is evidence in itself of a, of a conspiracy against me. It's a cover-up. They're out to get me. It's a kangaroo court. They're out to get me. Yeah, infamy, infamy. <laughs> They've all got infamy. Yeah. So this, our second example is Boris's sister, Rachel Johnson, who said there's lots of evidence for tactical voting in June 2022. I want to talk about tactical voting. It's back. Uh, there was lots of evidence that this is what uh, lost the, the Tories two by-elections last week. Um, but if you add up the number of votes actually won in both those by-elections. Labour, 14,728, if you total Tiverton and Honiton and Wakefield. But Tories still outpunched them quite considerably. They got 24,634. So what this means is that a growing anti-Tory coalition will have to form and coalesce if you want to kick the Tories out of office. The whole idea of tactical voting is kind of frowned upon by the political parties, mainly, mainly the Tories. <laughs> yeah, um, mainly the Tories because the others the Tories. don't get voted against in the same yeah, exactly. way. Exactly. So tactical yeah. voting is is basically people vote for who they think is going to win that isn't a Tory yeah. rather than the party that they would normally vote for. Possibly, I think you know, it's just kind of... normal voting, isn't it? It's I mean, because <laughs> yeah, yes, it's we used to call it voting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like when when all of the parties have a chance, then yeah. you vote for who you would like to win. But when only, yeah. when it's a, essentially a two party system, just yeah. like they did in twenty sixteen and in twenty twenty and and so on, you yeah. you vote against the person you hate the most. Yeah, and you don't do that by voting green. Or independent. Yeah. You know, Joe yeah. Jorgensen got far too many votes in twenty twenty. Yeah. But they weren't people who were who were like, oh, I don't want Trump to win, so I'd better vote for Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. vote for fucking or, Joe Biden or, if you don't or, want Trump to win. <laughs> exactly. And or even or uh, Marine Le Pen, you know, nobody wanted her to win. So, and nobody particularly liked Macron. So they would hold their nose and Absolutely. vote for Macron. begrudgingly vote for the person who is not the as big an arsehole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to tactically vote for the smaller of the arseholes. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, no, that's all right. But yeah, don't do that because that's tactical voting. Fuck off, it's voting. I get to vote. I, you can't de- denigrate the, the way I'm voting. And, and actually what she's doing is 
thoroughly ignoring that the Lib Dems simply won in Tiverton and Honiton. The Tories lost the two seats in Wakefield and Tiverton and Honiton by elections, even though they scored more votes than Labour, but they didn't score more votes than the Lib Dems. She's entirely ignoring, so it's just ignoring the fact, the fact that, that there was another party that got more votes than both exactly. of them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in in Wakefield, <laughs> Labour got 13,166. Conservatives got 8,241. So they won by a lot. Yeah. And the Tories lost by a lot. In Honiton and Tiverton, the Lib Dems won by 22,000. The Conservatives got 16,000 votes and Labour only got 1,000. It's nothing to do with tactical voting because the Lib Dems' internal data, which wasn't disclosed till after the polls had closed, showed that the Lib Dems were 5% ahead of the Conservatives over the weekend prior to the by-election. So people, what's your intention to vote? Well, I'm going to vote Lib Dem. And there were lots of local issues that weren't being served by the Tory party, but were being campaigned about by the Lib Dems that caused people to vote Lib Dem. And what's interesting is that in what sounds like a case of sour grapes, the Labour front bench sources confirmed that senior Labour figures had told them the party would be soft peddling the campaign in the by-election in order to allow the Lib Dems an easier shot of winning. But the Labour Party candidate, who was Liz Pohl, was the chair of the constituency Labour Party and previously stood for Labour in the same seat in 2019 and came second (laughs) after the Tories. So it's not a done deal. Yeah, they didn't withdraw from that seat. In some cases, parties did, didn't they? They they Mm. basically pulled their candidates completely out of a local yeah. by-election. They said, not going to do it. Specifically yeah. for this purpose. In order to they were not like, split yeah, the vote. Win. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not going to win, and if we both stand, then the Tories will win, and we don't want that. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. So for Rachel Johnson to selectively add up the number of votes, <laughs> yeah, the, the popular vote. Just ignore the, the people vote. who won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then say that this is evidence that the only way to oust the Tories is for people to have a collaborative coalition. Most of the by-elections under the Tories, latterly, post-pandemic, have all gone not the Tories' way. Yeah. So they've come up with various excuses to to deal with that. Yeah, weirdly, none of none of them have been... Turns out we were shit. Yeah, no. <laughs> People didn't want not. to vote for us because of all the bad stuff we've done. No. They never, they never cite no. that as the reason, do they? No. No, of course not. They blame everybody else. <laughs> the, the previous administration <laughs> 13 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but in keeping with Boris hiding in the fridge, the candidate, Helen Herford, locked herself in a storage room once you'd arrive at the counting venue and refuse to speak to journalists. So that, yeah, which is quite cool, even though they beat Labour <laughs> by, by 15,000 yeah. votes. Yeah. 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 If it hasn't been for those pesky Lib Dems, they would have won yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, tearing a mask off and revealing <laughs> the nasty right-wingers underneath. Speaking of which, at the frighteningly sharp end of culture war right-wing voter-courting Tory policy... Cruella de Braverman in April 23 said, as reported in The Guardian, I think that people coming here illegally do possess values which are at odds with our country. We are seeing heightened levels of criminality when related to the people who've come on boats, related to drug dealing, exploitation, prostitution, saying that she'd been told this 
in conversations with senior police officers. And Tory Housing Minister Robert Jemrick also said politicians should take heed of protests in Knowsley, widely reported to be fuelled by far-right activity, as housing people seeking refuge in hotels could result in destabilising local communities and responding to that, Braverman said... These are real challenges which go beyond the migration issue of people coming here illegally. We need to ensure we bring an end to the boat crossings. We've got people here who are coming here illegally. That in itself is criminal behaviour, and that is why we're setting up our new framework on illegal migration. So basically, with the, the evidence that they got, which is some senior police officers who have seen an increase in drug dealing, exploitation, and prostitution at the same time as people who've come on boats. It's not ironclad causality, is it? No, no. And that there are people who come here illegally. That in itself is criminal behaviour. So these people are criminal. We're making them criminals by changing the law vis-a-vis rights of asylum so that it's a criminal act to come here because we've changed the law, which flies in the face of the International Agreement on Asylum Seekers, which might require a withdrawal from the UN Charter of Human Rights in order to change the law officially to make that illegal, and then saying, yes, so that's a criminal act, so these people are criminals, and stirring up the problems of right-wing hatred and then citing those as evidence that something needs to be done and the Tories are the only ones to do something, which they will do by simply stopping doing the culture of war, stirring, and then the problem will go away. (laughs) It's it's an entire problem of their own making based on no evidence whatsoever other than the evidence that they say, oh, yeah, well, we talked to police officers and and the housing minister says, ooh, that's, yeah, stuff like this is happening. All of which reminds me of Constable Savage from Not the Night News in the 80s. Savage, why do you keep arresting this man? He's a villain, sir. And, and a jailbird, sir. I know he's a jailbird, Savage. He's down in the cells now. Well, well, there you are, sir. You arrested him, Savage. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> They're making people criminals by arresting them. And they go, well, there you are. Oh, They're criminals. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so your own self-referential evidence isn't evidence. <laughs> And you can have as much self-referential evidence as you like. Then you've just made a whole swathe of people criminal. And then you can't point at them and go, yeah, look at all these criminals coming. That's why we need to do something about it. Self-made evidence isn't evidence. If you want to dig yourself a hole Just put your head down and blow Forget the truth, take the piss and promote Grand Shaps You've got to wash away the taste of evidence Wash it away, fallacies Fallacies, fallacies Wash it away, 
No more there with evidence. And in the fallacy in the world, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes actually from the the namer of this fallacy, Aha. who is an author called David Kyle Johnson, who came up with this based on the writings of a philosophy professor from Boston College called Peter Kreeft, who is a Catholic right. and is also a believer in ghosts. And is yet still an employed philosophy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, philosophy yeah. professor. Uh, so he, wow. he's written about the, yeah. the fact that the belief in ghosts is not incompatible with Catholicism, essentially, because there are things... Some well, people say that the things in the Bible say you shouldn't believe in that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But he says, no, it's completely fine. Uh, yeah. In fact, if anything ghosts prove an afterlife and therefore christianity is good and real right. <laughs> and one of the trinity is a ghost uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah yeah uh, but one of his arguments is you hear a lot about people seeing ghosts right mm-hmm. lots of people see ghosts yeah it's very common and sure most of those aren't true but right the, here's his analogy and this is where the logic breaks down pretty quickly okay the existence of counterfeit money strongly argues for the existence of real money somewhere. Basically, he's, he's saying that you wouldn't... No one would bother making counterfeit money if real money wasn't a thing. Which, right. that bit's fair. Counterfeit money wouldn't be useful. No one yeah. would make it. So that that's proof... Counterfeit money is proof of the existence of real money. Right. Therefore, okay. and this is where it, the, the analogy doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> right. Therefore, yeah. the, the fact that there are fake ghost sightings is proof of real ghosts and the fact that there's so many okay. of them you see so many ghost sightings even right. though you can't trust any individual ghost sighting because they might be a fake or a hallucination yeah. or all yeah. kinds of different things the fact that yeah. there are so many is proof that ghosts exist and therefore god in some weird twisted <laughs> extra bit of logic from him. <laughs> and of course, uh, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of so, course, so the, yeah. The, his argument, why, basically, and right. that's why it's called countless counterfeits. Yeah. Because the counterfeits are the fake, ah, yes, the fake yes. ghost sightings, essentially, in the same way as the counterfeit money. Right. And somehow those fake sightings yeah. and the number of ones that can't be decided whether they're fake or real yeah. is evidence, is good evidence. When you shove them all, t- when you smush them all together <laughs> into one... <laughs> Evidence. Evidential ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So wait a minute. So the so the one of the fake ghost sightings, they're fake because Some of them there are lying. was no ghost. Some people are lying. Right. Yeah. Some people see something they you'll think they see something that isn't there. Yeah. But according to this guy, those are just evidence. Like the, the there I, are well it's either things. it's hard to quite figure out it, it sounds like what he's saying is that those that is evidence because if the direct analogy counterfeit money is evidence for real money yeah. it, it sounds like what he's saying is that the fake ghost sightings are evidence that there are real ghosts i i t- if i'm trying to be as generous as i can be <laughs> i yeah. think it might be that he's saying essentially they can't all be wrong there are so many ghost sightings yes some of them are fake right. but, but not not all of them we can't assume okay. that all of them. He's not even saying yeah. we can't yeah. assume all of them are fake. He's somehow using it as proof that some of them aren't fake. 
Yes. Which you can't do. That's you can't. just no, there's and no it, And it's not the correct analogy either. It's not the, at all. The, the, because the count, the counterfeit, because counterfeit the money real. is very specific there's a reason to make counterfeit money. Yeah. It's because you can pretend it's real money and you and you get yeah, and benefit you can buy from things that. without actually having the money. Yeah. Yes. I suppose for in some cases there's a reason to pretend you've seen a ghost. Like if you run a supposedly haunted pub or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you still get that benefit. Even if ghosts don't exist, because it's yes. the fact that some people believe they exist. So yeah, the the, yeah. the analogy is not great, and yeah, uh, he's wrong. So <laughs> and he, and he's wrong. The, um, the, it was interesting because we were talking about this last week, and I was in the car listening to a trailer for an edition of Loose Ends, which is kind of a collection of people on the telly and people in entertainment who all kind of sit around and talk about stuff. And it was a live one from the Latitude Festival. And there was a guy on there who has done a podcast about the paranormal and isn't the parapod, um, (laughs) but he's a guy called Danny Robbins. And he was talking about that phenomena of it's not important whether ghosts exist or not, but also the fact that the existence of ghosts we we kind of need to believe in that and i found the clip that i heard on the radio after some detective work i was beginning to think it didn't exist but then but then i realized if i thought about that enough then it would surely <laughs> it must, exist. yeah that makes it, it must exist. exist yeah and i found it but i think we need ghosts i think there's a reason why we have believed in them for so long i think we haven't consign them to the scrap heap with elves and unicorns and fairies and all these things that we've been prepared to give up on believing. So I think either that means that they are real or it means that we as a society have this kind of need for a comfort blanket or some sort of buffer between us and death, I think. That either is doing a lot of work, though, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's also interesting. I liked his list of other things that, yeah. that people get laughed at if they believe in like elves and mm-hmm. unicorns there, there are there's a certain bunch of things that no matter how much you say i've seen evidence or i've seen a unicorn people just don't yeah accept that that's using the counterfeit money analogy that's insufficient evidence to say that unicorns therefore must exist yeah. whereas there's a there's a and perhaps danny robbins has got a a fingertip on the, the <laughs> nub of it saying yeah we probably we don't necessarily need unicorns but <laughs> yeah. we need we need ghosts because unicorns aren't necessary for us to deal with the fact of our own mortality I, yeah, whereas i can absolutely are. see where he's going along that road with that and, yeah. and i agree that there is more motivation for us to believe in an afterlife which yeah. is why Many people cling to religion, even if they don't necessarily fully buy into it all. It's comforting yeah. in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for some people. So, yeah, I can I can see what he's saying there. But when he says that this... It was a weird false dichotomy as well there, when he said, you know, either... The fact that that so many people still believe in ghosts is, is proof either that society and, like, humans need to have this comfort blanket or they're yeah. real. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that, first that of all, escalated quickly. First of all, those yeah. might not yeah. be the only two options. Secondly, I yeah. don't think they should be treated as equally likely, and that it was yes. kind of implied yes. there. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. But it actually, because what he should have said was something along the lines of, that's why we accept the evidence of our and other people's eyes, yeah. mainly other people. And um, that's why we're motivated. And their to experience. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're, we're willing to have this stack of counterfeit examples means that therefore it must be true. Whereas if you ask a lot of, you know, eight year old kids with Barbie dolls and, and that where the unicorns exist, and they go, well, yeah, we, I've seen a lot of unicorns. Where yeah. did you see those? Saw them in the toy store. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, they're, they're, so, and I've seen them. There are hundreds of thousands of them. So that surely, and they all look the same. Yeah. So somebody somewhere has seen one for real. So they must. A couple of years ago, there was a trend for narwhals being a thing, ah, like yeah. the animal that, that kids were into in some way. There was like stuffed narwhals and toy narwhals everywhere. Mm-hmm. Among the narwhal verse, I saw yeah. in one shot <laughs> yeah. a... I can't remember if it was like one of these a coloring thing or a kind of you know stick little stickers or sequins or something on, but it was like mythical creatures, and it had yeah. it was like mermaids, unicorns, and narwhals, and I was like, "The fuck do you Wait think a narwhals are mythical? <laughs> What's going on?" Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, because we somebody saw off of uh, somebody at the Millennium Bridge was where a terror tourist. Kind of invaded a lecture hall and stabbed. Was that some a narwhal? I didn't. I thought it was a human. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, really? it was no. And somebody saw him off by tearing the narwhal nose horn. <laughs> yeah, horn. Yeah. Uh-huh. Off the, uh-huh. if, if it's a horn, if it's on your nose, I don't know. still. And, yeah, tore that off the wall and whacked the guy <laughs> with it, and chased him across the bridge with yeah. it. And was you know uh, uh, yeah so not a mythical thing no they're real actual, it's an actual case anyone was wondering thing. yeah <laughs> case anyone no they're real but yeah mythical creatures yeah, yeah. yeah. but elves unicorn novels <laughs> talking yeah. of um, things that people believe that are, there isn't necessarily great evidence for yeah. our next example comes from a show called Expedition Unknown the Hunt for Extraterrestrials and this is right. a typical shitty Discovery Channel <laughs> documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Discovery Channel used to be a good channel. They right. used to have real proper documentaries about nature well, they were and like science. Next and... door to where we worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Several yeah. people I know went to work for Discovery yeah. Channel, and and yep. it's turned completely shit. It's like the, I mean, the History Channel isn't much better. There's no history on there, really. <laughs> Every yeah. second documentary on the History Channel is about Hitler and the occult. Mm-hmm. But with the Discovery Channel. They're, they do a lot of this kind of bullshit of, of aliens and, and um, cryptids and all kinds of stuff. And this right. is one where this presenter, he's gone to Chile because apparently they have a lot of extraterrestrial sightings. The people here are warm and generous. But the reason I'm here is that they also see a heck of a lot of UFOs, more per capita than any other country. So many that the government established an official agency to investigate them. The government founded the agency known as CIFA in 1997, 
to look into UFO claims and to keep Chile's vast airspace as clear as possible. How many reports a year are we talking about? Um, last year we have uh, 85 cases. 85 cases? 85. Wow, in one yes. year? In one year. What percentage of those cases are you able to scientifically explain? 72%. 72%. And in that 72%, what, what are the explanations that you found? Most sightings turn out to be ordinary objects. Things like birds, insects, weather balloons, even other planets like Jupiter or Venus. But CIFA's most disturbing case came across their radar, so to speak, only recently. They allowed me to view the raw footage of a government-certified UFO sighting. So then they go on to show this video. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. an infrared video, so it's black and white, uh, taken from a Navy helicopter in oh November God, 2014. Yeah. So right. when he says only recently, this program was made in November of 2017. It was, it was put out on Discovery Channel in November 2017. I think what he means by recently is this is when they released this footage. Right. But it, but it isn't when they got... It didn't, it's not when it came across their radar, so to speak. It came right. across their radar in November 2014. Yeah. There's a little more context in as much as this isn't an organization that was set up by the government because they get so many calls about UFOs. Yeah, 80. Yeah. yeah. This was yeah. an organization that was originally a ufologist's hobbyist organization right. that, that lobbied the government to be given some kind of mandate mm -hmm. and were kind of essentially given an office and, and allowed to be... To, called part of the um, kind of civil aviation type part of the oh, okay. government. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same UFO believing hobbyists. Yeah. But but they're just so they now kind of taking. Now. Yeah. They've got an office and and and, and a and, coat of arms. Yeah. And they still identify a large number of the things that they get sent as bullshit. But mm -hmm. then they'll they'll also do this thing, this kind of thing. So they spent a couple of years looking at this before it before they released it. Yeah. And what it is is you see this kind of dark shape as if it's hovering moving very kind of slowly to the to the left to the west essentially this is footage from a camera on board a navy helicopter so it's got all the metadata of exactly where they were longitude right. and latitude and all that kind of stuff when it was yeah. what day it was what time and all that kind of stuff and then at a certain point there's this kind of plume of gas that comes off this object stays still in the air and gets gets longer and and they're like when well, this goes on for for 10 minutes and they they don't they have no clue they don't know what it was and they say that you know the, the helicopter pilots kind of tried to contact the craft and there was no response and they and they right. they checked right. with air traffic control and there was nothing in the area um and they just don't know what it is and so it's clearly a, a ufo i mean yeah. it's a, they, they call it a uap a, an unidentified aerial phenomenon so they're not saying it's aliens but they're saying this right. is a thing we've looked into we can't debunk it so therefore and, the, and as far as the show is concerned, this is like their best proof of, of extraterrestrials. Yeah. yeah. The trouble is <laughs> that when yeah. this video was released to the public in January of 2017, after a couple of years of, the, of this UFO-friendly organisation kind of trying to figure out what it was, yeah. within five days, people on the internet <laughs> had figured out Just what right. it was. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's a plane... Ah, the oh, thing okay. is, it's flying a plane that's away. quite a lot. Yeah, it's a plane flying yeah. away from the helicopter, and it's yeah. and it's quite a long way away. But because it's a plane, it's got big engines, and so they put out yeah. quite a lot of heat. So yeah. when 
you show that on infrared, even though it's it's actually yeah. further away than they could see it because it's through clouds and stuff as well. Yeah, you know, it shows up on the infrared as a as this kind of darkish blob, and it because yeah. it's traveling away from them, it doesn't move up. It looks like right. it's not yeah. moving very fast. Yeah, and the plume of gas is just a contrail. It's it's yeah. the gas being ejected from the plane's engines and, and condensing. condensing in colder air yeah. than the, the hot engines. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, they they released this footage to a kind of ufo friendly reporter who then put it out and said look they don't know what it is and and so on and that was months before this this program was put out that right. by the time this show went out by the time it was post-produced yeah the, the, the internet knew exactly what it was they, it they, was. they had yeah. the kind of the the flight number and yeah. the latitude and longitude, <laughs> yeah. and it and it yeah. matches up exactly. And the, the reason when they contacted air traffic control, there there wasn't in the area anything in the area, yeah. is because when you are looking at a blob in the sky, you can't tell how far away that was. Yeah. So when they yeah. said, when they asked air traffic control, is there anything in this area? They were asking about yeah. the wrong area. And they went, no, they were, there isn't. it was miles yeah. away from them. Yeah. Yeah, because all they're going to register on infrared is the heat. It's, yeah, it's and a blob. It's going to register as hot. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, a black blob. And yeah. on top of that, um, when they were asked about it, it turned out that this is the first time that this organisation has looked at infrared footage. So that's right. part of the reason <laughs> right. they didn't know what it was. Yeah. Because yeah, people yeah. who have looked at planes through infrared cameras are like, oh, yeah, that's a plane. Yeah. That's, that's what, what they that look is. like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and even though we haven't done that, we knew that, <laughs> it doesn't move because it's just going it's away. Going away from it's just yeah, still detecting yeah, yeah. the heat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So and, it, and the and the contrail will look like it's coming out of the top of it. Yeah. yeah. So the the point is that it doesn't matter how many reports you get yeah. if the reports are that kind of quality. <laughs> and yeah. if you but if you treat them as not really looking into them or looking into them without really understanding what's going on, not not giving it as much attention as randos on the internet on Metabunk website, then it doesn't matter how many <laughs> you've got. Because having a bunch of ones that you're like, well, I'm not sure what this is, doesn't mean it's aliens. And in this kind of shitty show, it is presented. Just like in the Ghost Hunters shows and in the shows about, you know, Bigfoot or whatever. Or there there was one about Loch Ness Monster that I was going to use as as an example. And, And they're talking about the surgeon's photo and long debunked things. The footprints that were shown to be a, a hippo foot umbrella stand or something like yeah, that. Yeah. That, you know, these are things we know about and yeah. they're still going, but look at all of these pieces of evidence. Look how many yeah. people have claimed that yes, they've seen yes. it. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's held up as, as proof that a thing exists when they're so like, just yeah, but... by the sheer but number of them. But all, each... all of, it's almost like a gish gallop. You have to debunk yeah. every single piece before people are prepared to go, well, okay, yes, well... On the basis that one hasn't been debunked means that all the other ones that have, their debunking is sus- somewhat suspect. Yeah, they're, yeah. but they're also... They're yeah. Su- yeah, they're somehow held up as, even though they are shaky and not reliable... They're held yeah. up as supporting evidence. I've got all these other bits that are shitty on their own, but when you put them all together, it's, yeah, it's yeah. very convincing. The yeah. sheer weight of numbers. Yeah. 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 So our final example in this mm-hmm. section is from The Lost King. We have hard evidence to refute every accusation that Richard Detractors would put to us. If we ever get the opportunity. Exactly, but we're shouting in the void and nobody's listening. Thank you because Shakespeare's play is more attractive than the truth. 
I'm sorry, my name's Philippa. You must be the Richard III Society. Correct! Brackets, Edinburgh branch, close brackets. At your disposal. Well, so many people seem to take such a dim view of him. They do indeed. But they can't all be wrong, can they? Have you ever heard gossip about yourself and thought, how can they say that about me when they don't even know me? Most of what is written about King Richard is based on Tudor history, because Henry VII won the Battle of Bosworth. If you get in quick with the first lie and repeat it often enough, then it becomes the truth. And Richard wasn't around to defend himself, was he? So this is a reasonable argument. Because, mm. like I was saying about the science, if you yeah. have lots of scientific studies which are shit, that's not <laughs> that doesn't mean you can prove something. You know, you, you, yeah. you can't rely on those. And if you have various historical accounts, but they're yeah. all based on the same source, or they're all yeah. tainted the by the fact yeah. that they, you know, history is written by the winners and stuff, that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's reliable. And when you get someone like Shakespeare who is writing plays essentially for the monarchy in yeah. like to to praise the monarchy in in some cases yeah that doesn't become reliable historical evidence and when you put all of those unreliable historical accounts together you don't get a good history something that you can point yeah. to and say this proves a thing about this person from history you have to kind of essentially assign a value in a way to the quality of the evidence that you've got and if you get multiple yeah. corroborating pieces of good evidence, that's something you can start to rely on. But if you yeah. get multiple yeah. pieces of bad evidence which all agree with each other, yeah. that doesn't work in the same way. Yeah, and you can't just say, ah, oh, yeah, well, we've got lo loads of stuff. Yes, it's not the quantity, it's the quality that counts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at medieval paintings of cats... Right, yes. They are fucking insane. Yes, yes, But yes. there's lots of them... Yeah. But the fact that there's lots of them doesn't mean cats were yeah. freakish mutants in medieval yeah. times. <laughs> and also the <laughs> same with, um, if you look at horses running pre-Edward Mybridge, uh -huh. they all run wrong. Yeah. So there are portraits of uh, racehorses and steeplechasers that are all running with both sets of legs stuck yeah, like outwards from their body. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't until Edward Mybridge ran them through his multiple tripping cameras that the art world completely changed yeah. after that. And they went, oh, it does that, because nobody had ever seen it. No, because they run really fast. They run really fast. <laughs> but nobody said to Mybridge, well, you're wrong, because <laughs> look, at the, look at the past 500 years of history of painting. All it took was one set of photographs. Yeah, good, reliable well, there evidence. there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, before we move on to fake news this week, a yep. couple of upcoming events to talk about. Yay. One of which yep. is our Blackbird Watch Party, which we're doing for patrons mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. Sunday, the 17th of September. We're going to get our patrons all together on a big Zoom call, hopefully yep. big, depends how many people show up, Yeah, Turn and up. Um, watch the entertainingly terrible Michael Flatley Blackbird film. Yeah, it's wonderfully terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the terrible wonder or the wonderful terror. <laughs> One yeah. of them. Yeah, one of those. definitely yeah. one of them. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a few yeah. laughs and wear silly hats, hats. and uh, yeah. and drink. I was looking. I was looking at my collection of hats. <laughs> thinking, oh, now that's a good one. Now that's a very. Nick I hate you're going to switch hat. hats regularly. Oh God, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that, that's for patrons. So if you uh-huh. think that that sounds like a thing you'd be interested in joining us on, then you are going to have to sign up at patreon.com slash ftrump by the yep. 17th of September. And we will be putting out a link on the 17th to the Zoom call so that yep. people can join us at the time. And as an added incentive, uh, Jim and I were realising that our latest target, which you could help us meet, is that we have to reverse roles for the next episode of Fallacious Trump. So if we get sufficient numbers of patrons signing up, you could force us to do things that we're not able... Not qualified for. Qualified <laughs> yeah. for, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, so yeah. that Don't might... Don't have a for, including the one I'm uh, looking forward to, is the fallacy in the world to. sting, yeah. which seems to, you know, be possibly a crotchet too far. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that is a thing that, that could be coming up if anyone else joins. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Patronage. So, yes, you could, you could enjoy with us the, the wonderful terror that is Michael Flatley's Blackbird <laughs> and also force Jim to sing. <laughs> and slightly yeah. later in September, on mm-hmm. the weekend of the 23rd and 24th, it's yep. QED in Manchester. Um, there are still some tickets left, but not many. Ooh, They're going quick, fast. There's less than 40 tickets left for the weekend. If you are able to get to Manchester, it is yep. a fucking brilliant oh, weekend. so good. They've got a, an amazing selection of speakers, including Professor Chris French, Dan from Knowledge Fight Podcast, Cara Santa Maria. There's going to be live recordings of Skeptics with a K and Incredulous. It's just an amazing weekend. If yep. you are able to get to Manchester and you fancy having an enormous amount of fun and learning some cool stuff, get your tickets now at qedcon.org. If you can't get to Manchester, this year for the first time they're doing a streaming ticket where the events Uh on the main stage will be streamed live and also available to view for two weeks after the event. So if you have thought about going to a QED but can't get there, can't make it this year, that's another alternative. And you can see what QED is like and then decide, oh, that looks awesome. I'll go along next time instead. And if you do go, seek me out. I'll be there. Have a chat and a drink. I'm not there because I'm deliberately boycotting or anything. <laughs> I'm away because a member of the uh, band that makes the music for this show, The Outburst, is turning 60 and we're having a party and it's up north. And so I'm going up there for the weekend. And also, another band reference, The Lost King, they're talking about Richard III, The Outburst, have got a track called Richard III, oh. which talks about Richard III. He was a wrongan, so I heard. Well, maybe he wasn't. There you go. That's the thing. Maybe there's lots of. Maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should yeah. rewrite that track. Which we, he might be. He might have been a wrong one. He might have been a wrong one, depending on yeah. how reliable the history how reliable, is. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. scan as well, admittedly. No, you'd have to. Yeah. You see, this is why I'm looking forward to the first in the world thing. <laughs> what yeah, about you? it won't be musical, yeah. but it'll be accurate. It'll be accurate. Yes. Yeah. It's like that version of the thing from uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life that they got Stephen Hawking yeah, to, yeah. to correct. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. The, the They Might Be Giants. The sun is a massive yeah. incandescent gas, which they changed that in later shows to the sun is a miasma of incandescent plasma because people pointed out oh, it's not gas, it's plasma. Excellent. So, excellent. Brilliant. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. 
Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Can I just say at this juncture that I've numerous sworn testimonies from high-ranking officials, I've tweets, greetings cards, proper ones, not ones bought at the last minute from the gas station, blog posts from Friends Reunited, letters from French exchange students from 1978, all attesting in a non-patronising way that, yes, Mark, of course you're very good at this game. Well, it's a bit patronising. And you should thus have the scorecard re-evaluated for sure in a, in a, in a court of law. OK, yes, so it's a bit sarcastic too. <laughs> but nevertheless, it's weighty evidence. I'm sure you'll concur. Yeah, hard to argue with that, really. Absolutely. Because there's so much of it. That's the thing. Countless. So... As we will talk about in a little minute, mm-hmm. Trump did a thing when the GOP right, debate right. was going on where uh-huh. he talked to Tucker Carlson on Twitter because he he not only wanted to boycott the debate, mm-hmm. he wanted to try and pull as many viewers away from the debate as he could. Right. So they released it on Twitter at, at the time. They talked about all kinds of weird things that we'll talk about mm-hmm. in a minute. But one of the things he talked about, which I'm hoping you haven't seen in the clips of this, was he no. went off on a bit of a tangent about the Panama Canal. Okay. And, I, and, and I've watched it, and I'm still yeah. not quite sure how he got there or what point he was making. <laughs> right. But here are some things he said about it. Mm-hmm. This is one of the true seven wonders of the world. And you take a look at the Panama Canal. It was such an incredible engineering marvel. We sold it under Jimmy Carter. We sold it to Panama for $1. The following day, they quadrupled the amount of money that ships had to pay to get across. They didn't lose one ship. Uh, uh, Okay. A bit of a non sequitur there. (laughs) They quadrupled the money and they didn't lose one ship. Well, you wouldn't if you quadrupled the money. I think he means by that that they, like nobody, like ships didn't say, oh, no, that's too much money. Oh, okay. I think right. that's what he's They didn't for. just go, no, we've yeah. lost one. It's not, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's difficult. I mean, yeah. shit, you wouldn't yes. pay the money if they started losing ships in the Panama Well, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 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 So, uh, statement number two. How dumb was Jimmy Carter? We went from getting all the money, which we should, by the way, because we built it and it wasn't easy. A lot of people died. 60, maybe 90,000. Half from malaria, some from rocks. Big rocks <laughs> falling on you. That's not a thing that you want. And we just gave it away. <laughs> That is brilliant. (laughs) Die from malaria, some from rocks. That's excellent. Yeah, big rocks falling on you. Uh Okay, well, how else would you die from rocks? Swallowing them? Could be. Uh, You never can tell. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Statement number three. Yeah. In one day, they lifted the fees, which are, you know, pretty big for these massive ships to go through, rather than going round the Cape and through all the tremendous storms. Such beauty. It's beautiful stuff, but you didn't want to get caught in those storms. Those were storms that wiped out the biggest ships. OK, well, good Good that he knows the history and the geography of, of why it was built. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I'm... Quite, yeah, quite beautiful stuff. Such beauty. Tremendous storms are beautiful. Beautiful storms. See, he can't, he can't be seen to be doing down Mother Nature in case God is looking on. Okay. Half from malaria, some from rocks. See, I, see, I, yeah, that's a, that's a superb, I want to say non-Trump type joke. 
half from malaria, some from rocks. Big rocks falling on you. It's yeah. Okay. Sold the Panama for a dollar. Okay. So, mm, all right. So I think on the basis of <sighs> trouble is is he's he's not smart enough to make that joke, but he might just be dumb enough to make that joke. Despite that, I think number two is the one that you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which are you more yeah. convinced by? I think I'm more convinced by the sold it for a dollar, number one. Okay, and yeah. number one yeah. is real. This is one of the true seven wonders of the world. And you take a look at the Panama Canal, it was such, such an incredible engineering marvel. We sold it under Jimmy Carter. We sold it to Panama for $1. The following day, they quadrupled the amount of money the chips had to pay to get across. They didn't lose one ship. <laughs> why is he doing what, what? Why is he extending the, the story of the, the stupidity of the Democrats <laughs> back in time? Why is he doing that? But and then with that stupid, awful voice, <laughs> it was such an incredible moment. It was such a panel for one dollar. Yeah. What the fuck? What are you talking about, man? Is that any of that true? I mean, well, it got sold under whilst Jimmy. Carter I mean, it's was... an incredible engineering marvel. They true. didn't sell it under Jimmy Carter. No. Jimmy Carter in 1977 signed a treaty with Panama to. Yeah transfer ownership essentially of right. it and maintenance yeah, yeah. of it to Panama. Yeah. But that wouldn't take effect until two thousand, which it ultimately did. So that that following day the was following that in seventy seven well, or exactly. was that in two thousand? It's hard to say because they never quadrupled the amount of money at all <laughs> in any way. <laughs> right. But what he seems yeah. to be suggesting is Americans built it. Yeah. The gave it away. They gave it to, almost gave it to the Panamanians who then yeah. immediately yeah. charged Americans Four times right. the amount to go through yeah. the canal yeah. and made loads of money on it, mm. which is not, not none of that is true. None of that is there true. Was, there were multiple increases in the fee for going through the Panama Canal, as you would expect yep. over time. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, it did increase in quite large chunks in right. um, 1974, before the treaty was even signed. It increased by twenty percent. Right. In 1979, it increased by twenty nine percent. Nineteen ninety. Seven, it increased by 8%. In 1998, it increased by 7.5%. This was all before Panama had control of it. Right. 2007 to 2012-ish. Yeah. It increased again. And I, it's been quite difficult to figure out what the increase was in that case. And I've read places where it says 10 to 15% and other places where it says 65%. But either way, none at no point, <laughs> certainly not in one day, did no. they quadruple it. <laughs> Yeah. And and, and yeah. those most of those increases were based on um, analysis that said essentially what he said by they didn't lose one ship is at most of those points they said you could increase it by like three quarters mm-hmm. everyone will still do it it's still so right. worth doing it's still yeah, so yeah, cheap yeah, yeah, yeah. comparatively yeah. to going around the cape and being in trouble and and you know the extra fuel and all of that kind of stuff it's yeah. it's expensive to go through the Panama, Panama Canal. But we're still not charging enough, <laughs> right? And obviously, it's yeah, got and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, straight from when it was 
built, the fees essentially were aimed at just controlling the maintenance of it. They they mm-hmm. weren't trying to make money out of it, as they still aren't, as far as I understand. They, you yep. know, it's an expensive thing to run. It's it's they've uh, they've widened it, um, essentially doubling the capacity, and so some of those increases are to do that engineering work. Some of it was also dealing with the fact that ships changed during that mm-hmm. period, yeah. and and whereas previously everything was stored uh, below decks. They now have these yeah. massive container ships that kind of stack huge shipping containers on top of the decks. And so yeah. whereas previously the toll was based on your capacity below deck, that didn't make any sense yeah. for all the ships that stack didn't huge. Didn't have anything below things. deck. Yeah. 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 So, yes, it's changed over time. At no point did it quadruple, and it certainly no. wasn't the <laughs> people in Panama going, ha-ha, now we own it. You, now we we own will it. charge you four times the yeah. price. Yeah. Yeah. So, you also think number three was real? I do, yeah. And number three... Yeah. ...is real. In one day, they lifted the fees, which are, you know, pretty big for these massive ships to go through, right? Rather than going around the Cape and through all the tremendous storms, such beauty, such, you know, when you see it's beautiful stuff. But you didn't want to get caught in those storms. Those were storms that wiped out the biggest ships. What the- <laughs> Such, such beauty. <laughs> He's so, already on a tangent. This is not yeah. something he was asked a question about. <laughs> and then he starts to go off on another tangent about the storms. Uh, in, oh, the great the storms. The they are the best just, storms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the best storms. How they handed oh, them over yeah. to the Panamanians. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, around the Cape. They're not, not even our storms. <laughs> and it's just, what the fuck, man? <laughs> what? But then he's actually kind of... He's justifying the reason for the cost going up. Yeah. Or the fact that people are... Right, prepared to pay that. Prepared yeah, yeah. to pay it because it's a lot safer. They, you don't, you know, so <laughs> why, what's the problem? What, where's the problem? He's complaining. He is... Uh, the, the only sense I could make out of any of it <laughs> was that he's complaining yeah. that Americans have previously done stupid things, specifically Democrats. But, like, right. we've, we've done such stupid things in the past... Like yep. giving away or selling the... We didn't sell it for a dollar. I don't know where he got a dollar from. There's no, no evidence whatsoever that a dollar changed hands between <laughs> Panama and the US. There, there I was... think he's, he's channeling my, one of my uncles who said, even if you, uh, you agree to swap a bicycle yeah. with somebody, you should give them a penny. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just, just to kind of seal the deal. Yeah, that, yeah, it's like it. a contract yeah. thing. It's not a contract unless someone, unless some money changes hands. Yeah, and maybe that's where he's getting that from. But, but this was a complicated treaty. It wasn't a give us a dollar, you can keep it. not like buying most of the wild west <laughs> from the absolutely, know, the, yeah, yeah, like the, the Louisiana just, Purchase or the yeah, uh, buying Alaska yeah. off the of the russians yeah yeah it involved lots of agreements about kind of who would be involved in the maintenance and where Mm. and the fact that panama would as a kind of result of getting it would end up having to spend a lot of money in the u.s and they would like when they bought stuff for it they would buy stuff from the u.s they would buy american-made things and and Yeah. yeah it was it was a it was a trade deal essentially yeah so yeah you're right that number two was one I made up. Uh, the the big yeah. rocks falling on you was a thing <laughs> from me. Um, in fact, did, did he actually say it? And, uh, he didn't say the big rocks. Right. Okay. Because that's accurate. Right. The stuff he said. I mean, <laughs> I I inflated the death toll 
more yeah. than he did, but he still inflated right. it. He yep. claimed that they lost 35,000 Americans to right. mosquitoes, to malaria. Right. Like, and that's how, they, how people died. Yeah. That's not true. <laughs> 5,000 5, Americans died in the... I mean, it's still a lot. Yeah, but, yeah. But they're... But, but in not the, from malaria. No, not... Well, no, not from malaria. The, in <laughs> Prior to the Americans taking over construction, the French had a go. Right. They found it even harder. Reports vary, but around 20,000 French construction workers died. That was largely from disease, including malaria. Right. Um, although there were some you know, incidents as well with, with dangerous equipment and rocks and all that, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but the, yeah. the American casualties were pretty much due to construction problems, you know, um, rocks and, right. and the got, difficulty of excavating that enormous amount of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I added that in to make it more realistic. Right. <laughs> because, it, because it wasn't, like, those people didn't die from malaria. For the most part. Yeah, yeah. He claimed that they have, were having to build it under nets and things. I don't know where he gets it from. No. No. So uh, we have got some responses on uh-huh. Facebook yeah. and Patreon. Yeah. Right. Uh, some of whom agreed with mm-hmm. you. We've got on, uh-huh. on Patreon, Colleen and Kaz both think yeah. them too. Uh-huh. Um, Colleen says, well, I, well I think spotted. too, because I saw a clip of him babbling incoherently about 35,000 people dying from mosquitoes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, just purely on the, the uh-huh. number of babble was, uh-huh. was incorrect, right? Uh, Invisible yeah. Unicorn thought number one. On uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. we've got Scott. Think? Scott says number one is fake news. He's probably struggled with the word quadruple. Uh, true. Molly yeah. says, I'm likely wrong, going to say three. Andrew says number two, well-written fake news. So, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Benjamin says number one, no way is he that articulate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you hear it, when you hear it out loud, yeah. it's clear, yeah. It's yeah. not. It doesn't come no. across articulate. No. Mary and Miles both say, I think three is fake. And Mike ah. says, I want two to be true so much, so we'll go with three. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which is your usual well, system, a... isn't it? It is. I, I want yes. to hear him say this. Yeah. So I'm going to so say So I'm just going to choose the other one. <laughs> and then, and then you don't, the trouble yeah. is you don't get to hear him say it. If it's not true, no. he doesn't say it. Yeah. That, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. But... Um, so yeah. thanks for joining in. If you'd like to join in, then Brilliant. then just be on our Facebook page and our Patreon yep. constantly in case we record something. Oh, so that means I won. You won. You've won. You're Hurrah. on a bit of a roll. I think you might Bloody have won three hell. in a row now. Oh, my God. So right. Well, that's... To step up my game. It's either going to be a hot hand or a gambler's fallacy, mm. isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'm hoping yep. for one of those specifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called A Trumpless GOP Debate is Not a Logical Fallacy. <laughs> because as I alluded to earlier on, I actually outright yep. stated, uh, there, was a, there was a GOP debate for the, the potential nominee. I mean, it's not really. It was a GOP debate for whoever's <sighs> going to lose to Trump yeah. in, in the kind yeah. of nomination thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, they, some of them did a thing. None yeah. of them particularly did anything good enough to make a difference. Well, I quite like the <laughs> the fact that um, new kid on the block, Vivek Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy, yeah, was just more Trump than Trump. Oh, he was such a fucking dick. I know, but he it was, was so just, obnoxious. But it was brilliantly Trump. He'd studied Trump. Yeah. Perfectly. Oh yeah, you can see what he's doing. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And 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 relish he wouldn't have been able to do that if Trump was there. No. So no. It it was just great. I I really liked that <laughs> performance. It, it was excellent. And um he knows full well that the system, even with DeSantis, who's the other youngest new kid on the block yeah. who thinks thinks he's kind of subverted the system, even he isn't fast enough and and flexible enough to deal with Ramaswamy's thing undermining is, of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, Ramaswamy's thing was, I'm the only one here on stage tonight who's brave enough to say yeah. obnoxious, awful, untrue thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He wasn't. Many of them said obnoxious, un- awful, untrue things. But, but, but he was but he was the, the that he made it his personality. Going to say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. none of you, you know, you're all bought and paid for. I don't, I, I can say climate change is a hoax because I believe it, because, you know, because it is, yeah. and that he will pardon Trump and, like, he won't give any more money to Ukraine and stuff like that. He's just yeah. an arsehole. Uh, but, yeah. you know, that but plays he's well with that to the gallery. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. He's kind of spotted that. In a way, he's, he's smarter than Trump ever was because I don't know that Trump read the runes mm. um well enough all he was doing was having a go just at being Hillary. <laughs> yeah just being himself yeah. you know and and he and trump's self as we know from reading mary trump's book is based on the 1950s mm. so despite the fact that he kind of thinks he's a 80s playboy he's not he's from a 1950s you know early television background so that's kind of his uh, whereas Ramaswamy is in a post-Trump world yeah. and can and can spot all the things that will enliven the right wing and say, I'm going to enliven the right wing. And then by saying something that will appeal to the right wing. And so he's call, he's doing it and he's calling out what he's doing at the same time. So he's he's being an arsehole and a meta arsehole <laughs> all at the same time yeah. in a kind of Dominic Cummings kind of way, but but without any... Uh, whereas Cummings has got a, a, a cunning subterfuge. He likes to think of himself as a Machiavellian. He isn't. But whereas Ramaswamy isn't smart enough to know that. So he was just saying, I'm going to identify all the things that will garner me some attention. Yeah. And then do it, and then announce that he's doing it. Yeah, which, yeah. Which I, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Was, I mean, as a performance, it, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, yeah, if absolutely. he wasn't there, it would have been less interesting. Because yeah. the others, I mean, they were just pretty dull. Because Ramaswamy yeah. and DeSantis were in the centre because they're the highest polling candidates at the moment, right? Um, or at least going but into. They're the still debate. only on like sixes and tens or yeah. something. Yeah, aren't they're they? still they're still not. They, they don't have any chance. None of them have any chance against no. Trump, which is no. amazing, given that he's, oh. you know, four times indicted, facing 91 felony charges, And going to end up in jail. Yeah. He's still going to be the candidate. They're vying for second place. And yeah. uh, DeSantis kind of did exactly what you'd expect him to do, which was kind of pretty much fade into the background while saying generally awful things, but yeah. not... He didn't. Re- he didn't stand out in any way. Pence, no. I thought, stood out in a some way more, which is weird because at first, yeah, when I'd seen a few highlights, I couldn't actually remember whether Pence was there or not. 
Because <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, going into the debate, he wasn't he hadn't reached the criteria because the, there's another debate coming up where the, the criteria are different. But for this one, you had to have forty thousand individual donors. Wow. Um, you had to have got above two percent in a national poll or something like that, or, in a, or no, not a national right. poll in in a poll. Yeah. Uh, in some <laughs> yeah any poll basically if you just ask yeah. your friends and fine yeah um and i think yeah. you had a certain dollar value that you had to have donations in or something like that right so um but but he hadn't reached i think the number of individual donors with a couple of weeks to go before the debate so i wasn't sure he was going to be there he was there he obviously hasn't got a chance yep. but he did snap back at ramaswamy mm. a few times and mm-hmm. uh, he very much played on the guy's lack of experience yeah. As to be honest, they all did. That was their main argument was with him yeah. was basically yeah. you're you're young and you're not just young, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> you yeah. don't you don't yeah. know you don't have any foreign policy experience, you don't know anything yeah. about the things you're saying and we all have done stuff and you haven't. Yeah. You're shit. But it's quite terrifying in a way that uh, in British politics it's kind of terrifying that the last but one administration, maybe the last but two administration, is now being seen to be, you know, the wise elder statesman yeah. when they were yeah. they were complete novices, and and Pence is now being seen as the sensible well man of Pence. <laughs> of, of gravitas. Yeah, Pence had some interesting phraseology, and in, in as much yeah. as when he was listing the accomplishments of the Trump administration. He, mm-hmm. One of the things he said in the kind of towards the end of the list is, we were there for COVID, which is true. <laughs> they were. Oh, yeah. And it's the same for most of the rest of the world. Yeah. 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 We That's were all there for COVID, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us didn't have a fly land and sit on a head for minutes at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, uh, to be fair, that is the best thing he can say about the Trump administration's approach yeah, they, to were there. <laughs> they were there we were there yeah we were there we were so there uh-huh. yeah i think uh chris christie was most vocally mm. anti-trump which is kind of his yeah. campaign isn't it trump is yeah, bad yeah. uh i'm the best option other than trump and and he's bad yeah but what's terrifying is that he's he's in the utter minority He's absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. You know, when he said someone's got to stop normalising this conduct, yes. you've got to go, yeah, absolutely, yeah. you're right. And, yeah. and in that but way, he's... he kind of came across as one of the voices of reason, which is yeah. <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah, got booed. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Uh-huh. There was some, yeah. it's actually quite an interesting mixture of the audience because there were some things where, like Ramas, some things Ramaswamy said he got booed and some mm-hmm. things he said he got cheers. Um, and Nikki Haley got some cheers, for mm-hmm. for some quite anti-Trump stuff and some quite anti-Republican stuff, actually. One of the things yep. she was talking about was was they were all talking about inflation, and and she said the inflation that we're experiencing and all of, you know a lot of these things and the and the deficit problems yep. aren't Biden. They're, they 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 were caused by the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she got a cheer, which I which wow. was very surprising. But she did. She was basically saying, you know, we need someone who understands this stuff to be in the White House. Yeah. It's time for an accountant yeah. in there. We, you know, it's it's not enough to just say, you know, we we're great, they're not great. And when actually Trump added trillions to the budget, yeah. Um, and yeah, don't get a, don't get an accountant. We got Rishi Sunak. <laughs> yeah. It's not. No, it's not it's great. Not, no. It's not great. No. no, no. 
Um, and then you've got people who were also there, <laughs> which yeah. mainly yeah. is Asa Hutchinson, who was governor of Arkansas, who, right. um, I mean, just kind of, they, they didn't come to him much because he didn't have a great deal to say. And yeah. the other one was a guy called Doug. Right. <laughs> and a man called Doug. Doug yeah. Bergham, yeah. I want to say. Right. His thing that he kept saying every single time. Oh, and Tim Scott. I haven't mentioned Tim Scott. He was a bit more vocal. Um, right. But Doug Bergham, the the thing he said every time it came up was was that he was from a town of 300 people. He was from a small town. That was his right. thing. And and yet nobody in the town knows who. I but am. yeah, no, that that was yeah. that was basically it. And the thing is, the re- the only reason there's an interesting reason why Doug Bergen was there at all, right? Because yeah, I mentioned those those requirements to make it yeah. to the to the debate stage. Uh, one of them is you had to have forty thousand individual donors. How did you do um, that in a um, town of three hundred? Well, yeah. What he mm. did was he's very rich, and right. he offered people. A twenty dollar gift card, if they make a donation they... above one dollar. Uh, okay. So loads of people who definitely yeah. don't support him went. Yeah, yes, please. I'll I'd like nineteen free one... dollars. Yeah, send you a dollar and a cent. Yeah. Send me eighteen ninety nine. So that's how he got wow. over the the limit because the, the the supporters don't have to actually support you. The donors don't have to support you. They just have to donate to your campaign. And so he, wow. he he paid people to donate to his campaign. So if they all paid a dollar to get the forty thousand dollars, uh-huh. he he's had out to by stump out twenty times that, that nineteen yeah. times that, yeah, <laughs> eight hundred thousand wow. dollars, something like that. Wow, um, bloody hell! Why yeah. didn't we support him? <laughs> we could. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Which means he'll he I think has already made it to the next stage right. I mean, well in terms of number of um uh, donors but he yep. needs to get he, he's only polled um above two percent in local polls in like state polls up to this point and, right. and for the next stage of the debates you have to have polled above i think it's two or possibly three percent in a national poll which is going to cut out basically Ooh, yeah. several of the people who were there yeah yeah um and and so i uh, for that he's kind of running a huge advertising campaign um, to yeah. try and get yeah. his his name out there. Some... I I mean he didn't he didn't make any impact. He didn't really say anything that that <laughs> seemed to resonate with anyone. Um, he was and, just and because to be, yeah. he's an also ran, he didn't get as much chance to as some of the people who were closer to the centre, like yeah. Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Nikki Haley quoted Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I like that bit when she got waded in uh-huh. and said, "If you want, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman." And that which was yeah, quite good. And yeah, it, but but if that's her role model, heaven yeah, help you. Scary, yeah, yeah. They all, including the moderators, lied about abortions, like to a man. Ah, they they all right. Um, the the moderators cited five states where. Abortion on demand is legal up until birth, which is not a thing. Mm-hmm. No, nope. <laughs> no. And they all agreed that they shouldn't. That shouldn't be allowed, which is yeah. good because it isn't. Because it doesn't. Yeah, because yeah. it isn't. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So that thing that isn't allowed, we all agree yeah. it shouldn't oh, be allowed. No, don't like yeah. that. Yeah, don't like that. No. Well, no, does it, neither does anybody else, and that's why it isn't a thing. 
Yeah. They had to sign an oath. There's another thing of, of being in this on this stage was they had to sign an oath to support the the yeah. Republican candidate, yeah. which is a mad thing because it's obviously going to be Trump. They asked the question, having signed that oath, essentially, will you still support Trump if he is convicted? Yeah, yeah. Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie didn't. They kept their hands down. Everyone yeah. else would. Wow. Yeah, wasn't there a moment when they put... Yeah, you know, that Rav, Ravaswamy stuck his hand up straight away. Other people just got. Oh, like, he's all in. He's he says then, he'll like, pardon him on day one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it doesn't matter because he's never going to get yeah. there. But he can. You know, just he. This is his moment in the in the spotlight. I mean, the thing is, this, the, this is he's going to disappear it, off. So if in some weird scenario where Trump for some reason drops out of the race, don't think it's going to happen. But if he yeah. did, then yeah. then he would be the obvious choice to endorse. Because he's the only one yeah. who said, "I will immediately pardon Donald Trump." So, yeah, and that's and so he knows exactly what yeah. he's doing. That yeah. he's he's being the ultimate lick spittle yes. to Trump, and Trump's going to love that, and he's not going to question anything. You know, least of all that he's got no substance or yeah. anything. He'll just go, "Oh yeah, but no, he loves me, so I'll just I'll just pick him." Yeah. Until such time as he's fed up with him, in which case he'll call him a loser and, and fire him. Yeah. One of the entertaining yeah. moments from Chris Christie, which had nothing to do with any of the issues they were debating, was yeah. that after a while he just—it was only kind of like twenty minutes in, I think—into this two-hour debate, he yeah. he basically just got annoyed at Ramaswamy and and said, "Like I'm, I am sick of listening to this guy. Like, <laughs> not not relevant to any issue. Just like I've had enough of this asshole, essentially." <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but meanwhile, while this was going on, Trump. Meanwhile, over was, on yeah, on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah, Trump's um, pre-taped interview with Tucker Carlson was going out. Yeah, which Trump has subsequently claimed is right. the most watched social media video in history. Ever. Um, yeah. yeah, and yeah. and massively out out rated the GOP debate. Yeah. Um, because it got 260 million and counting views. Right. I mean, obviously it didn't. No. That's, that's... And you could check, you could easily check that. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you, if you on go on it, X. then it yeah. does say a ridiculously large number of min- hundreds of millions right. of views because the way that Twitter now counts views for videos mm-hmm. is if you, is impressions. If right. you scroll past okay. it on your feed, you viewed it. Yeah, so it's kind of... Oh, okay. And so it's reach, it's reach rather it's, than... Absolutely. And because yeah, Twitter yeah. promotes stuff like that, because yeah. of how awful Twitter is, yeah. um, it was on everyone's feeds, because they can make you yeah. see things that you're not, yeah. you don't choose to you see choose to from see. people you and don't follow. And then they will count it as... If, yeah, so we're making these people criminals by changing the law so yeah. they're criminals. Yeah. We're making these people... We're making these numbers... Um, of numbers of views by forcing you all to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, in post-debate polling, they asked Republican voters who actually watched the debate, who watched yeah. the Trump video, 15% of, of likely voters who are Republicans said yeah. they watched the whole debate. 
Right. Seventeen percent said they watched at least part of the debate. Seven yep. percent said they watched the Trump video. So, Whoa. so a, about a well ha- half of the people who watched the entire two-hour debate watched yeah. Trump's half-hour video. About um, a quarter of the people who watched part of the some debate. of it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it, wow. it was massively less popular than the debate, yeah. but obviously he's he's claimed victory. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, of course, it was less popular because he has nothing to say. It's all no. the mad nonsense, like the Panama Canal stuff. Yeah, mixed yeah. in with <laughs> with Tucker asking questions about stuff like, like, do you think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? And also, the justification of by his own invention of why he isn't in the debate. He, he was saying, well, what, on the face of it, well, I'm leading by 60 points. Why would yeah, I get not. into a room? No. <laughs> why, would I go, why would I get into a room? <laughs> yeah. Why would I get into a room with somebody who's only got 12 points? Yeah. On, on Truth Social, I think daily he posts all the most favourable polls, and none of them are 60 points no. above DeSantis and the others. He regularly tell, shows people how well he's doing by the most favourable numbers, mm, and yeah. and he's still misrepresenting it when he talks to Tucker. <laughs> the, and the kinds of questions yeah. he was getting, apart from like you know, are you the best president or just a great president? Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah. it was the things like the do you think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? Which Tucker absolutely does. He said, "I'm not a conspiracy mm. person." I believe everything oh. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Huh? Uh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's convinced that Epstein killed himself, and Trump was like, right. well, maybe, but maybe not. And he also basically was saying things like, uh, you know, they've tried to take you down with the Russia things, and now mm-hmm. and then now they've indicted you. What's next? They're surely <laughs> they're going to try and kill you. That's surely what's next, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's assassination. It, yeah. It's the obvious, yeah. it's the logical yeah. next step. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and mad things like that because now he is he's unrestrained by Fox. He's not going to get chucked off Twitter, is he? Cuz he no, runs in charge. Of he isn't. Yeah, exactly. So. But also he's kind of unrestrained by his previously tweeted the fact that he hates All the text Trump messages. With a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hates him with the passion. Yeah. So he's kind of thinking uh, okay, well, I've no longer got a, got a job at Fox, so I need to. What's the best way to earn a lot of money? Oh, let me interview Trump again. So far from being able to ignore him most nights, he's just putting him on screen again. Yeah. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. After disappointment in New York, Florida and D.C., we were finally rewarded for our patience by the Fulton County Sheriff's Office last week when Trump became the first U.S. president to have a mugshot taken. Yay! Based on his co-conspirators' mugshots, Jenna Ellis thinks she's going to prom. John Eastman is trying to hypnotise you into saying not guilty. Ray Smith might be possessed by an alien bug and Trevian Cootie is definitely coming to kill you in your sleep. Meanwhile... Trump went for just being caught taking a shit on the rug and chewing your best slippers. Never one to look a grift horse in the mouth, he instantly plastered the mugshot onto various sellable items, from obvious, like mugs, to ironic, like T-shirts, which said, never surrender, directly under the image the sheriff's office took when he surrendered. Speaking of which, 
it's fairly well established that copyright of a photo rests with the person or organisation who took the photo. And while photos taken by federal employees automatically become public domain, the same is not true of state agencies such as the grossly underfunded Fulton County Sheriff's Office. So theoretically, at least, the $1.7 million the Trump campaign has raised from selling an image he doesn't own could end up being used to renovate the badly dilapidated Fulton County Jail. <laughs> hip, hip and yippee-ki-yay, the motherfucker Giuliani has been ruled liable for defaming the two Georgia election workers who he falsely accused of tampering with the 2020 election results. Judge Beryl A. Howell entered a default judgment against him as a straight-up sanction for his failure to provide necessary documentation to the plaintiffs. Giuliani will still go to trial in D.C. federal court on the amount of monetary damages he owes to Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, but Howell has already ordered Giuliani to pay roughly $132,000 in sanctions between his personal and business assets for his failures to hand over relevant information. And she said those failures, combined with Giuliani's own admissions, compelled her to rule without a trial that he defamed both women, intentionally inflicted emotional distress on them as part of a civil conspiracy and owes punitive damages. We are standing and applauding on the steps outside Fallacious Towers in thanks for the sensible and wholesome application of the rule of law. You see, Rudy, you can't just say stuff about people and then walk away and not have anything more to do with the fallout you brought on them, nor can you rely on some sort of self-assigned self-importance in not having to bother to turn up and provide evidence for your outrageous, slanderous rantings. Because Giuliani failed to preserve emails, text messages and social media account information from the time period when he made those accusations, Judge Howell said Freeman and Moss are severely hampered in their ability to prove his statements were intentionally false and part of a broader conspiracy rather than merely negligent. And to add to the self-centred attributes of one disbarred ex-lawyer, the judge also pointed out that Giuliani has a self-professed 50 years of experience in litigation and plainly should have known better. And furthermore, if he continues to withhold his financial records, Howell said she will instruct the jury deciding damages to infer that he's intentionally trying to hide his relevant discovery about his financial assets for the purpose of artificially deflating his net worth. <laughs> ha ha and triple ha, Rudy, you no good half baked excuse for a crook. Fight the law, the law wins. All kinds of fun things are happening with Trump's co-conspirators in Georgia. First of all, our favouritely named defendant, Ken Cheesebro, invoked his right to a speedy trial, possibly under the impression that Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis would not be able to prepare her complicated case by October 23rd. Willis's response? Bring it the fuck on, I'll try you all on October 23rd. Judge, let me at him. The judge wasn't quite so gung-ho, but did grant Cheesebro's motion, meaning he and any other defendants who request a speedy trial will be the first to be tried. While Ken was busy regretting his haste, crazy Kraken Sydney Powell decided she wanted some of that action and chose to join the early cadre, causing old Cheesy to panic even more. Because if there's one thing worse than being the first one to have to defend against all that evidence, it's doing it while metaphorically, but sadly probably not literally, handcuffed to Sydney. I'll get my legal claims from a woman who hears them in her dreams and who says the wind tells her she's a ghost, Powell. A lawyer who even Trump says is crazy. Consequently, Monsieur Fromage Frere has asked to have his case severed from Powell's, citing eight different ways in which he doesn't know her. 
If he was a better lawyer, he'd know that doesn't matter when you're accused of both taking part in the same overall conspiracy. Meanwhile, former Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows is trying to get his case removed to federal court on the grounds that all the criming he did was done as part of his official duties at the White House, simultaneously blaming Trump for telling him to do illegal things, admitting he did them so that Trump wouldn't get angry, which is not a great legal defence, and confessing to violating the Hatch Act. Fun. <laughs> From Irish Frere. <laughs> Brilliant. Robert Sig, who owns the increasingly ironically named far-right-wing news network Real American Voice, apparently didn't actually send a text message to Zachary Petrizo of the Daily Beast. Petrizo reported from the message that Sig was launching an investigation into whether the network was duped by a Trump impersonator when presenters John Solomon and co-host Amanda Head talked to a convincing-sounding Trump voice in a 17-minute interview. Apparently, Sig quipped, sounds like chat GOP to me, mm-hmm. but that probably wasn't really Sig. So not only were the two presenters convinced by a possible Trump bot's inane ramblings peppered with the usual greatest hits and random changes of thought and inflection, and we know all about that, and how easy slash hard that is to emulate and spot the fake one, Hey, Jim. But the Beast reporter appears to have been duped by a text emanating from a number that the spokesperson for Real America's Voice said was not Sig's and not his current number. Listening to the Trump voice, it does have a glitchy quality, which, with that and the possible fakeness of the guy who is investigating the fakery, fits right into the Matrix-level layers of reality. Take the blue pill for once, will you, and we'll forget all about it. In case you were wondering if the fact that Trump supporters are both crazy and heavily armed might be a problem, spare a thought (laughs) for the Georgia grand jurors, who, due to state law, had their names published in the indictment last month. Those back-the-blue, law-and-order-loving, constitution-worshipping patriots on Truth Social, Getter and far-right and QAnon-themed message boards pretty much immediately doxed the citizens who were chosen at random to do their civic duty, posting photos and addresses alongside death threats, racist slurs and general calls to violent retribution. Sure, some of the photos and addresses might not have been right, but hey, if you're going to go around having the same name as someone who was made to vote on whether people should be held accountable for all the crimes they committed, you're just asking for it, I guess. (laughs) One Texas woman took it a bit further and directly called the chambers of federal judge Tanya Chukchan to call her a racial slur. Weird how that kind of keeps coming up, doesn't it? And say, Mm. if Trump doesn't get elected in 2024, we're coming to kill you, so tread lightly, bitch. The woman, Abigail Jo Shry, who has since been arrested, also threatened to kill all Washington Democrats, specifically Texas Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, who happens to be black, and all members of the LGBT community. I don't remember what part they played in getting Trump indicted, but hey, thanks for your service. <laughs> who better to teach your kids in Florida than a drag queen? Yep. The right wing, of course, the Department of Education in Florida, yeah, an oxymoron, right, announced that it had approved the use of content by PragerU Kids for the coming school year. PragerU Kids was recently described by Time magazine as a resource for schools. But it's only a resource because the state of Florida deemed it so. He's a villain and jailbird (laughs) again. PragerU is not an actual university. It has no accreditation. It's a conservative media company whose goal since its founding in 2009 has been to spread right-wing ideology to adults and children. Perfect fit for DeSanctus. 
Yes, it's our dear fiend and enemy, Dennis Prager, who we last encountered pontificating about 2,000 mules, who's the founder of the auspicious edutainment provider, whose first avowed intent is to fight woke. Basically, it's one of those laughably dangerous right-wing YouTube channels to make people's algorithms go angry for money. In a recent PragerU Kids history cartoon, Columbus tells two youngsters, Leo and Layla, slavery is as old as time and has taken place in every corner of the world. Being taken as a slave is better than being killed, no? And another described George Floyd as a black man who resisted arrest, and another features a cartoon version of Brooker T. Washington comforting white children by saying... Future generations are never responsible for the sins of the past, to which his young listeners respond, OK, I'll keep doing my best to treat everyone well that I won't feel guilty about historical stuff. The company is now reportedly going through the process of being approved as an education resource in other states. Clearly, serving an appetite for indoctrination, propaganda full of lies and half-truths specifically designed to manipulate and mould young minds to serve a right-wing political agenda is more fruitful income-wise than, you know, actually educating future generations to progress beyond inequality and exclusion and think for themselves, which, of course, has always been a problem, a problem that critical race theory and its proponents have been trying to combat and change. Yeah, Get them to learn hate while they're young, hey, Ron, and they'll vote for you when you're old. New York Attorney General Letitia James has asked for a partial summary judgment in her civil fraud case against Trump, his sons Eric and Don Jr. and the Trump Organization, citing what she calls a mountain of undisputed evidence included in documents submitted to the court. She says no trial is needed to rule on two simple facts. Were Trump's annual financial statements misleading and were those statements used to conduct business transactions? Part of the evidence appears to be a deposition which Trump sat for in April 2023, the transcript of which has now been released. I'm ashamed to admit I haven't read the whole text of the seven-hour deposition, (laughs) but from what I've seen, it appears to mostly feature Trump throwing his kids under the bus by claiming he didn't have time (laughs) to commit fraud because he was too busy being an awesome president and saving millions of lives by averting nuclear holocaust thanks to his negotiations with North Korea. I can see why Letitia James thinks the judge won't be convinced by this argument, since, as we all know, Trump is never too busy to commit fraud. And there's also the small fact that the fraud she's talking about started in 2011, more than five years before Trump became very busy poking Kim Jong-un with a stick before making goo eyes at him so that he could end up with a vague and non-binding denuclearization agreement and claim victory. In Britain this week... Kind of the only grown-up in the room, Ben Wallace, Defence Secretary, who resisted all sorts of calls to resign or be reshuffled, including when all around him were bringing down Boris, rather thinking it best to remain and help sort out A, Ukraine, and B, Britain standing on the world stage vis-à-vis Ukraine, no Thatcher-like cosplaying attack for Ben. Anyway... He's finally had enough and gone to invest in the parts of life that I've neglected and to explore new opportunities. Far be it from me to suggest either those might include A, winning, and B, not hanging around with nasty right-wing losers hell-bent on anything to stay in power. Speaking of which, Grant Shapps will be the new Defence Secretary. This time last year, he was Transport Secretary. Then he was Home Secretary for a week. And then in October, he became Business Secretary before becoming Energy Secretary in February. But it's not just his experience, five jobs in a year, that rocketed him to the top of the LinkedIn job applicants, but he's good on telly. 
Good is obviously a relative term. He's often rolled out to speak words in a given order with a veneer of sincerity whenever crises blow up in the Tories' faces. So it's a regular gig then. And with general election next year, they either need a face that communicates to the people so they vote for them or a face that can convincingly blame everyone else for colossal and calamitous ruination of the nation once they're evicted from office. Behind the big black door, someone you've never heard of, Amber de Botton, doing a job you didn't know was being done, PM's Director of Communication, has also resigned. Rats, ships, sinking, anyone? Oddly, she got the job after Rishi got his, leapfrogging Narissa Chesterfield, who now gets her job. Despite that she was working with Rish when the whole Liz Trust getting the job over Rish thing happened. A delicious kind of irony going on there. Anyway, Dupont on new television, but Chesterfield knows politics. So now that the political butterfly Shaps is up for telly, at least someone qualified might do the politics. Uh, oh no, that's right, Ben's resigned. So that's all the bad arguments from Faulty Reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we use a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our newest patron, Melissa Sytek. Our straw man level patrons, Laura Tomsick, Renee Zed, Schmoots, Mark Rykin, Amber Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED, we can just call her Amber, and our true Scotsman level patrons, Stephen Bickle, Janet Luessa, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much for continuing to be our patrons and for joining as a patron. It's very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission, so until the next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye! <laughs>